Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, as we come this morning, we just pray that you just lead and guide your servant. To thank you for our time together and help me to clearly share with the saints of God what needs to be said this morning. May all this said and done, of course, glorify your name. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray for it that you will give the receptive hearts to understand a timeless truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said. This morning is my, um, my desire to um, talk to you about this subject. What is it? You heard that term, haven't you? We use it so flippantly. Oh, God is good. God is good. God is good. And because we use it so flippantly, we don't use it rightly. And because we don't use it rightly, we don't get the deliverance in our lives. And so I think that this would be a good theology 101 when we talk about Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Yahweh is good. Because whatever comes from this, then we find that everything else will be okay. Amen? So let's get started. Luke 18, 18. And the ruler asked him, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Why are you using that word so flippantly? Why are you coming up to me and, and buttering me up? Why are you throwing that word around so flippantly here? There's only one person that's good. And, and who, who's the only person that's good? Who's the, who's the only person that's good? So then, then, then I, don't, I don't have the scripture up here, but it came to me this morning when it says, the Lord, the Lord said in my devotional reading, said, I mean, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You see, I said, uh-oh, wait a minute. But what did Jesus just say? Only what? So Jesus comes along and said, I am the good shepherd. So if anyone wants to question whether Jesus Christ is God or not, Jesus Christ just said only God is good. Then he comes around and say, I am. I, he used the word I am. Uh, Jehovah used Jehovah. I am. Then he says, I am the good shepherd. Praise the Lord for that. So then as we walk through this whole process, there's some things that I want to, uh, some storylines and everything else, and um, get you out of here on time. But I want to make sure that you understand the word good. So when you, when you use it, regardless of what stage you're in, I want to make sure you always say God is what? Good. Okay. But we need to define it. We need to define it. We need to do a lot of things here. Clarifying the thought here. Good reveals the very essence of who God is. He cannot and will not operate outside of who he is. When it says God is good, it doesn't say God does good. He says he is good, okay? And when it's like the sun is hot, okay? It cannot be anything else but what? Hot, okay? So when it says God is good, then that means that 
everything, then everything that comes from him, all gifts come from him, all perfect gifts come from, uh, good and perfect gifts come from what? God. See, everything that God permits in my life and everything else, although I may weigh it bad, God says, it's good. Why? Because it came from me. See? God is good. In the past few months, our nation has experienced conditions that have never been in, in, since uh, seen in 100 years, even the history of our nation. Hurricanes, earthquakes, fire, fires along the northern, uh, northwest part of our country. All of this has been happening. And, uh, and this has been happening to America. Then, of course, with all of the various type of violence that has been going on, uh, America has been shaken. And through these tragedies, hearts have been traumatized. And there's usually the question on the table, where's God? And does he care? Well, the 9-11, that was, that was the question. Where was God? Or where is God? And does he care? And I'm glad one pastor stood up in the middle of all of this chaos in the 9-11. He says, he's the same place when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. That's where he is. He's still on the throne. Amen. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're faced with, whatever problems, whatever pressure you're under, understand one thing. God is moving around. The world might be moving around. But he's God. And he's good. And as long as you keep that in mind, you're in good shape. You lose that thought, you're in trouble. There's a truism that must become a part of our thinking forever. God is good all the time and what? All the time, God is good. Let's just say this again. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Now, it's easy to say that if you, know, if, if you um, just got a, a, a trip to Hawaii and, and as far as your bills and everything else, you'll never have to worry about bills. And if you ever had to worry about uh, doctors, in other words, if you medical expenses, you would never have to worry about medical expenses. You can go on a trip wherever you want to in the world anytime you want to. In other words, you have it made in life. And then I say, let's say God is good. You'll be, you'll be the loudest one. God is good. But what if everything's going wrong? What if, what if everything is, is, is all around you? It's very frustrating. You have to get tired and you're frustrated about these things. Can you still say God is good? And God wants to have a part of our vocabulary. He wants to nail it down with us. I'm good. Not based on what's happening, but who I am. See, I'm good. Be careful. We talk about he's a good neighbor. He's a good neighbor as long as he don't break your window and uh, threaten your children and all and bust out your tires, right? Oh, oh, he's a good neighbor because he does something good. That's why I want to make sure that we deal with this word for the re for the records. There's a vast difference from from the point of view in being sensitive versus being good. You can run into a person who. Um, do a lot of good things, and they are very sensitive. And you say, oh, boy, that's a good person. Be careful. How do you know that person is good? How did you come to the conclusion that that person is good just because they're kind to you? How do you measure good? Because that's, that, so you're really disappointed and you're really hurt that when that same person that was so kind to you over years Turn out to be the very one that wound you deeply. Now what do you feel? 
You, you see what I'm saying? All because you measure them as good when only what? God is good. I had a, had a friend who was very outgoing, a friend who has her personality very outgoing. You would think, boy, she's walking on, on stage. Now she really walks with the Lord. I mean, all the time that we, we all coming along together as a couple, we have known her to be the outgoing and everything else. I, I had to separate a personality from spirituality. I felt look at how close she walked with God than how much she talked with us. You see what I'm saying? So she had a great personality, and she lighted up the room and everything else, and everybody really liked her. And boy, when she talked about Jesus, there was a lot of thunder and everything else. Oh, but I saw another side of her that, boy, I said, whoa, I was very disappointed. I said, oh, because you didn't see God in her at that point, did you? No, because only God is good. Clarifying our thoughts this morning, let us consider at least uh, three things that should uh, sharpen our thinking, speaking, and living concerning this truth that God is good. Matter of fact, uh, I, I cut it down to two, two major things. So uh, first, his goodness has, all, has always been openly displayed before men. Two, his goodness set the pattern for us to diligently follow. We'll go on those two things. Let's go with the first one. We go with the first one, and the first one is God is good, and his actions always uh, confirms it. it. It always confirms it. God is good. His actions always confirms it. And to, to, to um, nail this down, I want to take you into a storyline. All of you all, all know the storyline, but let's go into it anyway. Bear with me on this storyline. And it starts off here in Jonah. You know the story of Jonah. I want to start from the beginning, but the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh and, um, and preach and let them know in 40 days uh, that he will destroy them. And Jonah was, Jonah, was, um, and, uh, Jonah was saying, oh, 40 days. Great, he's going to destroy them? Wait, I'll wait. I'll go a different direction just so he can destroy these folks because I don't like them anyway. So then he decides to go another direction. And he prayed, oh, Lord, after the Lord <laughs> saved him, he prayed, oh, Lord, and said, oh, Lord, is it not what I said when I was yet in my country? Because he's sitting out there watching, waiting for them to die. That is, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarsus, for I knew that you are what? Gracious God and a what? Merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He says, I knew it. I knew it. That's why I ran in the first place. That's why I went down the Tarsus. That's why I spent my money to go the other direction. I knew you were a good God. And you were a good God and I wanted them dead. <laughs> you know, some folks get on your last nerve and sometimes, you know, uh, you ask God, God, do this. God said, I'm not. Matter of fact, I'm going to bless him. Don't bless him, Lord. The Lord said, I'm going to bless him. Why? Because I'm good. I'm going to rain on them and you at the same time. Can you live with that? 
then the problem is not with the person, it's the problem with your theology. And so, therefore, now, O oh Lord, please, take my life from me. Now, now he wants to die. Now, when he was in the, in the, in the body of the fish, he, was, he didn't want to die for three days and three nights. And he was just praying out to God, and God really delivered him. That's why he went, and, and the fish took him right back to where he, he started. And the Lord says, now go to Nineveh. And so he did that. And, and so now he's saying, take my life. You may as well go ahead and kill me. I'd rather die now. Yeah. And the Lord says, do you well to be angry? Now, you need to understand this. Let, can I put, you in a, put this in another way? Like, so I went to another translation, what they call the CEV, and it says this. Let's read it together. What right do you have to be angry? What right do you have to be angry? Do you well to be angry? In other words, what right do you have to be angry? What are you angry about? What's your problem? They sinned against me. You're still on my whipping list, and you are angry about the fact that I have mercy on them. Jonah went out of, of the city and sat down on the east of the city and made a booth for himself there, sat down in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. What do you think was going to become of the city? <laughs> he wanted these folks dead, didn't he? <laughs> he said, I want them dead, Lord. So while he's sitting there pouting outside of the will of God, no, this is what, this is why, that's why we're dealing with I want you to see also not only, not only the foolishness of Jonah, I want you to notice the patience of God. I want you to notice that, that God, although this person is way off base, God is still patient. So he builds a booth waiting for God to do something outside of what he wants to do. So he wants to build a booth to wait to see what God's going to do to them. Just because he got angry. And the Lord appointed a plant and made it to come over Jonah. That it may be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So he was exceedingly glad for the, of the plant. Then something happened. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. That attacked the plant. So it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed us. God will keep appointing things, doesn't he? He appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on his head, the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah, what is your problem? You're supposed to be a prophet, and here you are complaining. All because God didn't go along with your program. I wonder how many of you have been play, complaining now because God didn't go along with your program. How many of you have, have said, wow, Lord, this because you have not done this or this, I am really dissatisfied with. But God said to Jonah, you do well to be angry for the plant. That's another question. In other words, are you going to be angry at the plant now? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Die enough to die, huh? And the Lord says, You pitied a plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. 
and should I pity Nineveh, that great city, which there are more than how many? 120,000 souls. I want you to think with me just one moment. He says, and here I have pity on 120,000 people that came, that came. I watched them from their birth all the way up to this point. I watched all of their wickedness and everything else. I watched their lives, and yes, they're worthy of burning forever. But you see, I'm good. See, that's why be careful about who you talk about in front of a good God. Because he sees it from a different perspective. And what he wants us to do is to see it from a different perspective. That's why he says, do not let any corrupt communication come out of our mouths. Don't let, if you call yourself walking with God, watch your mouth. Because you're walking before a holy God. And a good God. Jonah wanted at least 120,000 or more souls to perish because they were the barbaric Assyrians who were merciless to the Israelites. He was a patriot. He wanted these folks to be wiped out. And God says, no. No. The reason that the, the, reason that the Assyrians came in the first place was because of hard-headed Jews. He wanted to kill what he had no power to create and sustain. He permitted his emotions to judge their physical actions and totally disregarded their eternal state. It's amazing. You want to kill a person for what they did and overlook that they still have an eternal body or soul. And God says, be careful how you view people on the street, in your neighborhood, how you address them. I know them. I, I, I've seen them from, from the moment that they were born. I know exactly what they're going to do. Be careful how you deal with folks. Watch your heart. Usually what people do reveal how you actually think. Here Jonah, here Jonah, who's supposed to be a prophet of God, want to wipe out 120,000 people of God and still keep the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy what? Self. It goes on. Putting it in perspective, Jonah in his anger must have uh, forgotten that Israel, because of their sins, was still under God's judgment. He must have forgotten the recent, the recent and deliberate act of disobedience he displayed before God until he was given three days and nights, that's a vacation, reality check, in the belly of the great fish. Oh, he wants to wipe out these people who have been living in disobedience to God. And here he bought a ticket to go the opposite direction. Now, which one is guilty here? I mean, if, if, we're, talking about a, if we're talking about a just God, what he should have done, what he should have done with Jonah, he would have put him in the fish and kept him in the fish. 
but the fish was prepared, the, the plant was prepared, the, the hot winds were prepared, the worm was prepared. God prepared everything for Jonah. Because God was concerned about that 120,000 people and also he was concerned about his prophet. You know what? There are times when we act crazy too. Maybe you say, not me. Okay, all right. Then maybe you're not the one. Take your name off of it. But I want to let you know one thing. It'll never stop God from being a good God and able to and still being good to you. So when we say God is good, I don't know what type of day you had. I don't know what type of week you had. I don't know how, how you were feeling or thinking when you came through the door. But I just want to let you know, God is good. Whether your circumstances ever changes, God is good. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Okay. Um, the Lord is not slow to fulfill. His promises as some kind of slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should be to, uh, to reach repentance. Here's, here's our second one. Again, got only two and I'm done. His goodness sets the pattern for us to willingly, faithfully, and diligently follow him. If God is good, then how do you expect he expects us to live? If he's, and here's an example, if he's, if he's good toward the Ninevites, oh, God eventually destroyed the Ninevites 400 years later. Wow. N not the next year. 400 years later, he destroyed them. He was good to them 400 years later. Can you imagine that? That's how, so then, they have no excuse when it comes down to the Lord. God has been good to America, hasn't he? You know, do you know why people are complaining so? Do you know why America is complaining about Boy, it's been over a hundred years. We never experienced anything like this. You know why they're complaining like that? Because they have experienced the goodness of God all of this time. And it's supposed to keep happening without any problems. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to have horrific hurricanes or tornadoes, not just one. Sometimes it's three or four following each other. We're not supposed to have all of this. I don't know what's going on. We're having earthquakes and everything else going on. And they said this never happened. You know why it never happened? God is good. And all he has to do is stop being good. All he has to do is say, I don't have to do this. I don't have to put up with this. It's amazing. You, you're good to a person five days, six days, ten days, a month, ten months. Then when you decide not to do something, they complain about, what's your problem? Oh, your foot slipped. You're supposed to be a Christian, too. <laughs> Why? Because they're so used 
of receiving. Being receivers instead of being a responder. And so let's look at this then from another perspective. There are several principles we should keep in mind about the working of the goodness of God in our lives. Let's read the first one. What is it? Completely involved in helping us do his perfect will. Uh, each time I'll put some scriptures there. Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure this, that he who had begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, God is, uh, I'm sure this, that he who had begun, get this, and see the, see, the, see the word there? Good, the adjective, you, you keep seeing the adjective they're describing the noun. The, the, he didn't say a work in you. He says a good work in you will bring it to uh, completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his what? Good pleasure. Good pleasure. Let's go on a little bit further. God expects us to take ownership of our, our new relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, what is, is honorable, he will be a vessel of honor and set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That word again, good work. You're gonna keep, every time you're going to start seeing the word good, good, good. If you want to do it, run a concordance on just the word good and watch it run through the scripture. And how many times you see the word good, 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 good. Every good word. God always put things good work. All good and perfect gifts. Good, good, good. Because God is good. Colossians 1.9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Colossians uh, 1.10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleased to him, bearing fruit in every what? Good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See where he's going here? And every good work, everything you do is good. Everything that God wants you to do is good, good, every time. Number three, our Father will respond to our living according to his will. Ephesians 6 8, let's read it. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether it is a bound servant or is free. It says, whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. One thing that really blessed my heart, um, that some of the things that believers do in this congregation, you may not know, I know but I do know the things you do that you don't even mention here at church. I really do know it. <laughs> and I want to let you know I really appreciate all that you do. I really appreciate how it ministers to others and is so selfless. Thank you. Thank you. And there are those who are not here that do the same thing. There's a lot of folks who just quietly do good. And no, no waving the flag or anything that's just quietly do good. 
And God says, guess what? Whatever good anyone does, he will receive it back from the Lord. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. The moment that we start acting good because God is good, you'll have some foolish people responding differently. Don't worry about that. You just keep doing good because that's what you are. That's who you are in Christ. I cannot help from talking good and acting good and doing good because that's who I belong to because God is what? Good. I don't know how many times I've said good this morning, but I hope it's beginning to sink in, huh? <laughs> doing good works will define us. Let's read together. Love, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whosoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. I don't know what he's saying now. Whoever does good is from God. Second Peter 2.12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your what? Good deeds and glorify your father in the day of visitation. James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Each time it's good, good, good works, good works. Each time he talks about this. And so we need to measure how we're thinking, how we are acting, everything else. But the fact is, since I serve a God who is good, how am I acting that reflects his glory? We are reflectors of his glory. And, and, and if that bothers you to do good, my question is, why does it bother you to, be, to do good? Why does it bother your soul that you can't do good? What keeps you from doing it? Second Thessalonians 2.17, comfort your hearts and establish them in every what? Good work in word. Second Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Second Thessalonians 5.21. But test everything. Hold fast to what is what? Good. Each time you see the word good, good, good. Over and over again it says you need to do those things that you you hold fast to those things, what is good. Um, only then, you're talking about flushing out your system. You're, you're talking about, you know, really walking with the Lord. <laughs> so that when you say God is good all the time and all the time God is good, your words will be believable because they see your life. But if your life is contrary, then all they hear is a bunch of words. And deep down in their souls, they're probably saying, stop it. One last thing. Paul in his letter to Timothy puts things in perspective. Second Timothy 3.10. You, however, have followed my teaching by uh, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution, my suffering, 
that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecution I endured, yet from them all the Lord, what, rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will, what, will be persecuted. The moment that you decide to really live for the Lord, you're going to be persecuted. Now, let's add it on top of your responsibilities. The moment you decide to live for the Lord, you will be persecuted. And you're going to say, Lord, I can't take all of this. And the Lord says, I know you can't take all of this. That's why I told you to cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Why are you trying to take it anyway? You know? So get your hands off of it. I can't take the pressure. Don't, you're not supposed to take the pressure. No, every believer must keep in mind uh, is uh, must keep in mind is that whatever comes out our way, will while serving the Lord, it is imperative that we should hold to the foundational truth that God is good. So I go over this list that kind of wrap things up, and I want you to repeat it. Ready? What the first one? In my son. In my good, God is good. In the physical challenges, God is good. In my moments of great disappointment, God is good. In my triumphs, God is good. In my failures, God is good. In my moments of weakness, God is good. In my joy, God is good. In my sorrows, God is good. Am I being misunderstood? God is good. In my physical challenges, whatever I'm going through, God is good. In my moments of great disappointment, when I thought things were going to work out, I thought I'd get this job, or I thought this would happen, and it seemed like everything fell through, I can still say what? God is good. In my triumphs, God is good. In my failures, God is good. In my moments of weakness, when I know that other folks expect me to be strong, but deep down within in that little tunnel of mine, I feel so weak, and I don't know how to express it to others. I'm going to say just these, I'm going to say from this day on, in the middle of my weakness, what? God is good. God is what? Good. And the moment we get to that point, our theology will change. Oh, you hear folks saying it flippantly. God is good. Folks say God is good. God is good. All the time. All the time. Then find them complaining. Well, one verse on right right. When peace like a river attends my way and in trouble like sea billows roll. For whatever my lot, thou have taught me to say. It is well with my soul because I come to one good theological lesson. God is good. And, if, and I hope that resonates in your souls this morning as we wrap it up this morning.
that you walk out of here and say, well, one thing I did learn, <laughs> what? <laughs> what did he preach about, what? I might not see what's going to happen tomorrow. Yesterday have already happened. The day is still unfolding. But that has nothing to do with who God is. Because God is good. And I need to trust him. And trust his goodness. And they had that song, just think of his goodness to you. Father, thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for your word and what it has to say. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in circumstances and challenges in our lives that we forget some of the basics. Oh, we don't have to be theologians in big positions. Just very simple words that will calm our souls. Put us where we should be, under your wings. And as the storms fly around us, we whisper, and sometimes we feel like shouting it out from the peace of our souls, God is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being who you are and to know that you'll never change. And that's the future and the hope that we have. Forgetting everything else, all the things the world has, the one thing you will never change. And your word will never change. Thank you for the blessed hope. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen.